Hi, Natalia, and welcome to my podcast. Hello. Natalia, tell me a little bit about yourself. So were you born in Ukraine? Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. I was born in Ukraine in um, uh, 1985, and I lived in Ukraine until I was um, 24. Um, yeah, uh, I lived in a little, little, little town, railway town called Dolbunyev in Rivne region, and it's um, on a border with Belarus and Poland in the mm-hmm. northwest part of Ukraine. How was um, your childhood? How do you remember your childhood? Um, we lived in a little town that uh, um, uh, on a border with the villages. Mm-hmm. So I remember since I was, um, I don't know, very little child going out and exploring rivers and forests and little val- valleys nearby. And um, I had a great childhood, yeah. Oh. I've been mushrooming and I still love mushrooming since uh, I was a, a little child and now Another one of my passions is actually foraging in forests and I, I never thought that that would be something very different because where I'm from it's very natural way of living but in England a lot of people are afraid of um, foraging and um, eating wild mushrooms so I also now share my little expertise on, um, on foraging as well. That's amazing. So my boyfriend really, really loves uh, cooking in general and he loves uh, mushrooms. And I'll send you the picture later. But um, basically, he went here in the UK and he um, picked porcini mushrooms, you know, seps. Seps, yeah. Yeah. So because he doesn't know how to do it, I imagine you know much more about it. But uh, seps are the safest ones that you can pick without going wrong, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and chanterelles, like saps and chanterelles are the ones that uh, if you've seen them once or somebody showed you once how they look, um, I think maybe 90% or 100% you will be sure next time what to pick without um, picking something inedible or poisonous. Oh, really. That sounds amazing. Okay, so a lot of people that I interview, especially from the East, including myself, when we left our countries, we went to a different country and we were so busy assimilating the new culture and the new things that we parked for a bit our interest for our countries. So, for example, you know, I was, I was really trying to adapt to the new country and I wasn't too interested in Moldova, for example. And then after a few years, I started getting interested in Moldova again and I started re-loving the traditions and... I'm, I'm wondering if the same happened to you. What happened to you after you left to Ukraine? Or did you keep having the love for Ukraine and in the same time adapting to... Because you moved straight to the UK, is that right? Yes. Well, I'm, I never wanted to leave Ukraine. That's uh, something that uh, never crossed my mind, that I ever will be living in a different country. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived for four years before I moved uh, to UK in an artist commune. In, uh, in the Transcarpathian region, it's on a border with Slovakia, Hungary and um, Romania. Um, in a near forest, in a village, and uh, we started a big um, theatre project there that's still going on. And actually today it's um, 15 years since we um, started the project and it's still going uh, strong. Today, 1st of October, that's the first time when we uh, came to the village to work with um, young people. I was studying theater then. 
Yeah. Um, and I lived for four years uh, in Ukraine and I never wanted to move out of my country. It's just happened because I met my husband. We met very long time ago through an uh, organization called YMCA. Um, and it's a youth organization that is worldwide. And um, he was really interested to live in Ukraine, but then he visited commune. And I think communal life just wasn't something that he was imagining. I mean, he was imagining, but not what practically worked for us. So we moved uh, to UK for uh, first for six months and then it just became a permanent home really now. <laughs> It's just what happened. But I always, I always, uh, because I was living for four years in a commune, I was heavily involved in uh, social projects, cultural projects in Ukraine, in the rural areas. Uh, I really, and then when I've been kind of taken out, um, I felt very lonely that I don't have um, that around me. Mm -hmm. So I, I was supporting from the beginning projects from abroad. Um, I started to work uh, as a youth worker because um, I saw that that's kind of a transferable skill that a um, theatre director could start work as a youth worker. And then maybe two years after, I and I always wanted to talk about Ukraine a lot and um, sharing how wonderful it is. And, uh, and then my friend said, why don't you do trips to Ukraine? And I said, oh, that's a good idea. Because I did a lot of um, evenings, uh, fundraising events, Ukrainian events, where I taught people Ukrainian Transcarpathian dance, and I cooked food for them. I showed the projects that we are supporting, youth theater project in, in a village. Um, and I started that to do very early. Maybe I moved in 2010, and I think my first fundraising event was in 2011, so it was just a year after I moved and I felt very connected and I found that uh, this is the way I feel settled in this country. So when I, when I came first, I felt like I am a second class person for some reason. People always assume that you come to UK, especially in a rural area where I live. I live in Herefordshire and Herefordshire is a very farming community it's not a multicultural uh, community like in London or Bristol or Birmingham you know where people here it's very uh, you're confronted with with a little bit of coldness first if they hear your accent yeah and I know no I don't know if you experience the same but uh, I, when I moved I was pregnant so I, when I moved to Herefordshire I had a I just gave birth and um, and I and I lived in a family uh, where there is only my husband that goes to work and then I don't have anyone else around me so whenever I gone outside I always felt like people trying to talk loudly to me because they think that <laughs> I would understand them better Aww. and also ask questions like um, oh but you moved here because you work on a farm aren't you and I felt like I, I think these presumptions are not right mm -hmm. for every person for, for anyone really but I didn't want really to explain a lot why I felt like you know what so when um, 
when I started my business, Experience Ukraine, I felt in the right place because people were coming to me if they're interested in my country or in what I'm doing instead of me trying to come to them, you know, yeah. in a way. Anyway, so that's... <laughs> Did the attitude change once people started knowing you? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's just... Uh, it's, I think when your young mother just came to the country, maybe you don't know English as well as, uh, as I do it now, you know, you're very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So you, you, I, I, you know, and maybe you get too, too vulnerable to those like questions or everything is a bit maybe too much. And maybe now I just don't see uh, if uh, I don't see these things anymore. I don't know. I, I definitely feel uh, much better when I'm uh, when I'm doing my thing and yeah. when I'm telling people uh, to you about Ukraine, and I feel very powerful as well. I yeah. feel like I can, um, yeah. I feel it's my place. I found I found my my place here. I don't okay. feel like I'm anymore a second class person or a person that came to this country and maybe have some cultural gaps. Uh, um, I just feel comfortable. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit, uh, you mentioned about the theater that you started. And uh, just before the interview, I read quickly an article that this year, because of the pandemic, of course, you can't have the festival anymore that used to fundraise money. Is that right? Yes, yes. So because uh, when we started um, our youth theater studio in a village, um, uh, next year, we started um, a youth theatre festival called Bird in a Village. And because uh, a lot of children that we worked with never left the uh, village in their life, mm -hmm. um, uh, we couldn't take them to Kyiv or Lviv or other big cities on a daily basis. We thought we can bring the world to them. And so they could see that other children their age also do theatre. Because we didn't do a theatre like a um, literature teacher would do. Or uh, it was very different, very innovative, uh, physical theatre. Um, we used all our... We, we just finished university or we were on our last year of university. So we were full of ideas and we wanted to bring more um, theater practitioners to work with young people. They were so talented, they were amazing. But also um, in front of their peer groups, they appeared to be very different and they felt uh, a bit uh, uncomfortable. So we wanted to show to other, to peer group in the village and in the surrounding villages that this is normal, this is cool, this is, you can, uh, theater is really interesting thing and other people your age doing the same and and you can show them what we did what what theater productions we did and we just it was um so we started it uh 15 years ago and then when i was living in ukraine we were doing it every year for three days three day festival where we had nearly 100 participants and then we had 5,000, 10,000 people come in. It was all free. We were raising money all the time to, to make it free and accessible for everyone. Uh, it's non-competitive 
festival so it's mostly about sharing different practices and um, visual arts photography circus uh, dance everything so performing arts um, and when I left Ukraine it was quite hard to to do it every year so they did it biennial biennial at once into once in two years mm-hmm. and I feel I, I, wa- I want to support the work that they're doing because it's all free it's and children don't pay for their lessons and uh, all theater productions and festivals are based on volunteers so I think it's very important for young people in very rural areas to access quality arts I think it will make it makes a big difference. I worked, uh, the young people that I worked with 15 years ago changed their views because of our work and to the better. We were, we were working in a communities where young people didn't finish schools properly and they went abroad as a seasonal workers and that's it. And there was no other kind of, uh, no other alternative. ambition or alternative to do anything else so we were trying to change that and and say that look the the village is not well the community is not complete with a without young people that are staying actually here and looking after their families and trying to create little businesses or little initiatives to make their place better so that's what we were trying to create and now there are a lot of little businesses. Uh, uh, some of our young people became children entertainers or, you know, or they're doing a, a little circus studios, uh, theaters, filming, photography. So it's just to unlock their potential. And this is not happening if nobody's doing it with yeah. them, you know? So. Wow. It gives me goosebumps only when you talk about it. And well done for all this uh, investment in children that you're doing, because that's the most important thing that you can do, invest uh, in young children so that they can have a different kind of future. Um, I'm interested to know what other kind of social projects you are um, involved in. Um, at the moment, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I, I do support all of the projects that they uh, do in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Let's let's then talk about um, the the travel tours that you started doing because you said uh, your friend was mentioning why don't you do th- these travel groups to Ukraine? This how this is how the idea started. Uh, yeah, well, idea uh, was yeah, yeah yeah idea was kind of um, started uh, in the end of my living kind of in Ukraine in a commune. We were helping one of the social tours um, from. Uh, Netherlands to, mm-hmm. to do one of the trips uh, uh, to in, in a village and uh, we really enjoyed it and it was just a very small um, group of uh, people six eight people that traveled to listen to uh, world music so local village music and um, and stay in people's uh, in people's homes so we uh, helped to we help to organize this kind of trips and then it's uh, it's something that i really enjoyed and i thought that's that's great great idea because i don't like when uh, uh when people the tours are very staged so where uh, people just see 
what is not real. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. A lot of um, a lot of uh, tourists go to Kiev and to Lviv in Ukraine, and they don't really see the real life. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that life in rural areas and in cities is very different. So um, I I wanted to show real Ukraine, uh, a real experience. I wanted to show the connection, a strong connection uh, with nature. Mm -hmm. I wanted to show uh, beautiful wildflower meadows. I wanted people to try real home-cooked food. Um, that uh, been like you know using milk that been milked hand milked and uh, using uh, very good ingredients homemade butter and homegrown food to see how it's all done how people preserve their food how pickles fermenting foraging and uh, incorporate it with local music that is very different from any mainstream music. Um, and just see this beauty in everyday village life because I think it's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I just, uh, because I really loved living in a, in a village where I lived, I started trips to do in a, in a village and first trip was actually a fundraiser mm -hmm. for, our, uh, for our social project, um, a news project in Ukraine. Um, as it we did in 2012 and we had a very small group of six people we took from Hungary all the way to Transcarpathia and then we finished in Lviv and it went really well uh, we showed um, um, shepherds in the mountains we made cheese with them we learned how to dance we went out um, uh, we went out on a, a narrow gauge railway, we went to the markets, you know, we had amazing food, we drank amazing vorilka, uh, palenka, vodka, um, and uh, yeah, I, we, I really love that format of, um, of tourism, where you actually, we lived with uh, people in the village, in their homes, you, uh, our our guests helped them to do their chores around the house. I mean, it was just, um, it's just a very different lifestyle that uh, I feel like uh, English people are very now disconnected. Even if they're living in a village, they're disconnected from village life uh, most of the time, you know? I know what you mean, because um, when I was growing up in Moldova, my grandparents, used to be self-sufficient they used to grow their things have cows for milk making cheese as you're saying making butter making everything from scratch and then when i came to the uk obviously they're still farming in the uk but to see that parents take their children to pay for a ticket to see a cow on a farm because they've never seen a cow and for me, that sounded so weird when, when I grew up with cows, I grew up with all these things. And it was weird for me at first, like, why don't you know? Or, or they show on TV how some children nowadays, they don't know where the bacon com comes from. I and for me, it was so weird. Why do you not know that, you know, it was a little bit weird. Now I understand because of, you know, whatever is happening, but I do agree. At, at some point, there is this risk of being totally disconnected from 
the origins of the products, the connection with nature. And um, yeah, so I totally understand what you mean. When I first came to uh, UK, um, I just couldn't believe how tasteless food was. I was just could not believe. Mm. The potatoes didn't taste of anything. There are no good tomatoes. There is no, no smell. Good- <laughs> no, not, that doesn't that the products don't smell, yeah. and it's just so sterilized and so sterile. I just felt like sick. I just think I just thought, can't believe people have so much money and they eat so bad food. You know, mm. I just couldn't understand how you don't invest in what you eat. Yeah, but I think it's very very important. One of the most important. Um, things in life you have to grow your immunity and have a very healthy immunity you have to invest in in your food i was for me it's very important to eat homegrown organic produce now i I buy all my vegetables from the organic farm i go foraging i show children where you know i have chickens i'm just trying to i'm not self-sufficient and i probably won't be i don't have a like my parents had and miles of miles of um, land where they grew all of the potatoes, but maybe one day I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. But, yeah. But I guess I see it, for example, with the tomatoes, there's not enough sun in the UK to make them mm-hmm. taste and grow properly. But what I was shocked as well is the supermarkets only choosing the as they call them, the perfect shape. The perfect shape. Oh, that, that doesn't make sense. I know that there are people that are trying to fight, fight against it. And now they started selling the imperfect vegetables that are cheaper. But I don't, I don't get that concept at all. Why would you think yeah. something is more perfect than that? It's just, it just tastes the same. What's the difference? I don't get it. I like when it's wonky shape. I think exactly. it's beautiful. It's just exactly. like nicer. Exactly. You can see unique vegetables and it's just like the same, the same, the same, the same. So yeah. much waste. Well, so much waste. I feel like. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's another big problem. The waste uh, in general. I was reading some statistics actually a few days ago and the millions of tons of food that gets wasted in various countries. It's just such a shame when you know that in other areas people can't get food and then it's just, it's mind-blowing. It just doesn't make sense in my head. I also feel that people in UK don't uh, really have a concept of eating seasonally. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why they want everything to be available in the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when, When I first came, I think 10 years ago, I couldn't understand in a way that you have to prepare fresh every yeah. single day, every yeah. single, I mean, it's nice, but then I remember my parents were cooking um, a borscht or a pan of soup and that would last you three, four days. Yeah, and yeah. then combine it with different other food. So you do cook something every day, but not from scratch every single meal. I mean, at yeah. the moment I'm doing the same. I'm 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 cooking every night um, dinner from from scratch, and it has to be all every different because I don't know my family don't fancy eating the same thing uh, next day, and I you know I just I'm fighting as I like 
uh, uh, against all the food waste. Um. Maybe you can freeze it because, so my partner is British and um, he loves cooking more than me. I do enjoy <laughs> cooking, but uh, I just do simple things. He loves elaborate dishes. And before, when we both used to go to the office, now I'm just painting. <laughs> but uh, he used to cook a big batch at the weekend and then freeze it in little portions. And then maybe you can do two separate dishes, freeze them, and then maybe, you know, alternate so that you don't have to cook it every day. Or do you, do you freeze food as well? I do, but I don't. I don't have. I think I haven't learned yet to to cook from frozen. I I don't. I don't know. I just never use it. It's not in my. I like cooking from uh, fresh. fresh. Yeah, but yeah. I uh, whenever I do the food, I always I always use it for next meal, next meal, next meal. Yeah, One yeah. meal becomes a base for the next meal and next meal becomes a base for the third meal. So oh, that's good. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't waste. That's very good. I think that um so from watching cooking shows with Mark because he really loves watching them and mm-hmm. I'm just like oh getting starting getting more interested in it. I see that some chefs really do their menu um, depending on the seasonal vegetables and I think they started showing a great example of being not not doing a menu and then buying products but the opposite going and seeing what's fresh what's in, in season and then having these ingredients this is what I'm going to put on the menu in the restaurant I think this is the best way to do it at home and to do it in restaurants you just see what's available first and then you, you decide what to cook is yeah, that what that- you do as well Yes, 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 yes. And when we do trips to Ukraine, um, I try to put on a menu all the every time different meals. uh, So people could uh, also see the full culinary experience of Ukraine as well. So not uh, the same, the same stuff. So I I take meals very seriously and and planning menus and it's always seasonal and something that is especially in that particular time in Ukraine and we try to use some foraged uh, goods as well in our meals yeah we have a lot of chefs coming with us on a, on a trips or Olya for example because, yeah yeah obviously because of uh, Olya uh, started to do trips with us maybe three three four years ago mm-hmm thinking of maybe doing another one with her to Georgia but um, it's all in plans well COVID ruined a lot of plans for everyone so we're trying to adapt adapt yeah trying to adapt I just uh, remembered uh, a a little thing I'm really crazy about watermelons for example but all Mm -hmm. my childhood I know that watermelons were in August so here I absolutely refuse to eat watermelon outside August they just don't taste of anything yeah. I mean I mean one good thing about um, uh, uh, coronavirus there is no good thing but it came out that we actually stopped going to supermarkets full stop so I haven't been for around six months now and all our all our food's been delivered, and uh, it's all uh, from uh, our local organic farms. It's been so we are trying to eat uh, uh, seasonally because it's a taste of tasteless food is the worst, really. I just yeah. can't. Just can't do, it. So do you grow anything at all? 
Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, we just moved uh, just before lockdown to our uh, new place. Uh, it's not far away. So I lived in Hereford mm-hmm. for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, in February we moved out of Hereford to to Pontrail, this little village. Uh, and uh, I have a bit more land. So we started to grow. I grew this year some potatoes, uh, some sweet corn didn't work very well, tomatoes didn't work because I need to have a polytunnel. I have some curly kale, and two other varieties of kale, Swiss chop. Herbs? herbs? Yes, yes, I have some dill, some parsley, mint, uh, uh, oregano, thyme. Yeah, I mean, mm. coriander coriander what else um yeah i have you some... know what i don't like coriander <laughs> but i think coriander you are either love it or hate it well actually it's very strange but when i came to uk yeah i couldn't eat any spicy food at yeah. all i couldn't eat coriander i really didn't like it because first of all, I thought it's a parsley, then I tried, and I was like, oh, it's not parsley. It's definitely not parsley. But my taste buds really, really changed since uh, for in 10 years. It's very strange how it's developed. I love coriander now. I just oh. put it sometimes in a thing that it's just too much. And my husband was like, Natalia, it's just like basically half a fan of the coriander. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> He's like, well, yes, it is, but it's too much. I'm like, mm, okay. And, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I use a lot amazing. of pests. And I also now like to eat chili. You know, I have, I, I started to use chili in my cooking. I don't use it too much because sure kids don't eat it. Okay, so we're, we went off track completely. <laughs> I actually wanted to do a trip to Moldova as well. I mean, that's on my list of things because I have a friend's husband who is, uh, who is from Moldova. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were talking with him that we need to visit his parents and uh, his parents to live in Moldova in a little village near Kishinev. Oh, and, that's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, and... Um, and he was talking about all these amazing peppers that you do in um stuffed in peppers. sour cream, yeah, in sour yeah. cream and yeah. uh, char char grilled or something, and then they, you put them and so cook them. Yeah, oh. yeah, you make it with the sauce. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes, yes. So yeah, I, yeah. I was like, my mouth was watering when he was <laughs> talking about this. I'm like, right, we definitely, definitely are doing it. So that was another thing that we were going to do this year to explore a bit of Moldova. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll get in touch when we... Definitely. And he, I mean, Moldova doesn't have much, except for woodland, it doesn't have much nature. So we don't have, you know, we are a locked country. We, we don't have seaside or mountains or anything i'm sure you know this already but we do have great wine all this advertise our know, wine know. <laughs> you know as long as you have a great wine and great food and yes. people are coming just for one week you don't need that much you know exactly. another thing that i'm doing on my trip we don't travel too much so mm-hmm. we only get into the place mm-hmm. and we stay there for six days to explore it you know because mm-hmm. i think you need to stay somewhere for a bit longer to actually get the swing of the of how the life flows you know or the, yeah. the risk of the life that it's different 
Yeah. And um, people also enjoy that because a lot of people travel and try to see as much as they can and they move from like yeah. to here to this here. But traveling in Ukraine, because it's huge, it's a big thing. You know, you have to spend on really bad roads four to six hours each day and your next day you're just tired. So we decided that that's not a good idea. We just need to yeah. find one place base and then do kind of day trips that are not too far, not too hard, not too strenuous. I think that's amazing. And this is what we did with the motorhome. So we went for a year only in Europe and we didn't even manage. We, we have only managed to see and not even the full countries, only like 10 countries or something like that. We didn't even see the whole of Europe in a year because you don't, we didn't want to rush from place to place. We want to just, you know, sit in one place, yeah. explore the area and then move to the next place. So I totally understand what, uh, what you mean. Is this mm -hmm. part also of the sustainability factor that you want to make your tours eco and sustainable? Yes. Well, the idea is we don't ever use any big uh, um, hotels with pools that are owned by some oligarchs that sitting in uh, Kiev. Yeah. Uh, we want to. We also don't go to the places with a lot of infrastructure, so it's always off-beaten track where Ukrainian tourists or any other tourists you wouldn't see other groups you know, uh, walking near you. And I think it's very important because people that come to explore want to feel special, but also people that are hosting them, they think that their place also special as well. And because there is not a, a wave of tourists all the time, it's, uh, it doesn't ruin the everyday life for people as well, but it also brings some kind of income that otherwise they won't have. Yeah. And they don't need to also to adapt their life or like break their life to adapt for tourists, to be on a tourist trail in yeah. a way. Yeah. Uh, so I, so it's, it's why our groups are quite small because it feels like you're kind of traveling in a, just a bit like in a family, like a little family group. It's only four, five, six, sometimes eight. I think the most we've had 12 people in a group. Um, and we try, yeah, so we, we leave money in a community. So we don't ask any travel companies in Ukraine to organize trips for us. It's all tailor-made itineraries. Uh, made by us we always go before and trial it out and uh, the idea is to find real local gems and to try something yeah something that you can't find online you can't taste it anywhere else something very different and very local to the area you know, and I think we're trying to use only local transport. So we don't use, again, the company that owns buses all over the Ukraine. And so uh, it would be a local transport provider if we need, that it also stays in the village, in the family, in the area. Um, we try to not use any plastic. Uh, we sometimes even do a cleanups um, uh, around the area with our... Like we did it in Georgia, for example, we started um, in 2019, we started um, 
And we did two trips to Georgia as well. And we were going to do another two. And it's kind of the same, the same pattern. We are starting in a city and then we straight away go either by train because train is lovely thing to do. I think in the post-Soviet Union countries, you still have this overnight train, this very Soviet Union style overnight you can sleep on it because you don't have those trains anymore in Europe uh, like that so it it's quite it's quite nice way to explore the country because you can always open your eyes and see the change in landscape but also how but also the train goes quite slow so it's and it's soothing well for most people it's soothing for some people yeah. it's not but it's Aww. also an experience also an experience you know exactly i want to ask you as well so i've seen that uh, you do a few types of um, these travel traveling types uh, including a yoga one and what i love the most about it um, so usually when i see yoga retreats they are you know you just drink juices all day and you don't eat enough and when I read the description of your yoga tour I loved it so much because you do yoga but also you have a hearty breakfast and you drink local wine local vodka I love that I mean I don't have anything against the other type but I, this sounds more like my style of yoga well, it's all a bit like Eastern European style yoga you know? I know <laughs> I loved it so much oh we didn't do it again I'm actually doing now, now yoga classes with a lady that um, was going to be on a tour, our teacher. I took um, uh, in 2019 uh, on our Carpes and Cultural Experience tour and she really loved it and she said, well, we just have to, we just have to come and do um, a yoga, a yoga holiday. So we do a holiday with a bit of yoga in it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that works for me very well <laughs> here is an itinerary i think it will work yes yes so we yeah well again <laughs> oh maybe we'll do it again next year if we are allowed or if it's possible i don't know it's a bit it's Aww. hard to predict what's what's going to happen i had planned uh, six trips this year and they're all been cancelled and most people they transferred their bookings for next year mm-hmm. And hopefully we will go ahead. Fingers crossed it's it's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, that's the situation. It affects a lot of, especially small independent businesses. Unfortunately, the huge companies at the moment are in big profit still, but the small ones. The small are just just finishing every day. I see people saying, I'm sorry, we can't continue anymore. And and they're stopping Mm -hmm. It's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Really, what's happening? I hope we'll have better guidance from the government because I, I don't know. I can't see another lockdown happening really. Mm-hmm. And I just want us to do my work. Really, I just feel I need to go back. I need to go back. Aww. So but with every tour you go personally with every tour as well yeah normally not now obviously but not now yeah 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 well that's why i don't do a lot of them yeah uh only have six seven a year because i have three children i have to be here as well um for most of the time so i just do from spring to beginning like from may to october 
and I try to do yeah six seven a year. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. <laughs> and who who are your customers? Are they usually from the UK? Are are they? I don't know because me for example, I still I haven't explored Ukraine, so I and I haven't explored Moldova enough. So I imagine even if I'm Eastern European, I would be interested in that. So I'm I'm wondering, are your clients also Eastern European, or do you have? people from Britain coming to visit as well? I have, uh, my clients are started, when we just started, they were mostly British. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have customers from USA, Canada, Hong Kong, Austria, Germany, well, Australia. Um, so all, all, over, all over the world, some people have a connection to Ukraine. Some people have ancestors that were Ukrainian and they want to come and uh, explore the country. Some people don't have any connection, never been to Ukraine and just want something different uh, to explore. Yeah. I, yeah, I had few Ukrainians on a trip or people that, that have a Ukrainian ancestry, but that's not my main customer. I think my main customer is a, is a, it's 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 either a professional working in uh, in a in a city um, and interested in Eastern Europe anyway and want to see and explore really deeply mm-hmm. something and like the sustainable and likes to be in a small groups or it's a retired people that have a bit of time on their hands and also want to see. It's like sustainable travel and never been to Ukraine and don't really feel safe to go by themselves. So they need somebody uh, to go with. I have a lot of returning customers. So people that went with me once um, want to come again. So that's great. Just need to provide more destinations. I have seen that you Uh, also offer discounts for the second. Yes, I have like 10, 15% discounts per second, but that doesn't really play a big role. My my trips are not cheap, so I can't compete with with, uh, big companies that are having tours all over the world and uh, but also you you get a real quality. Yeah. On, on my trip, I, I put I put all of uh, a lot of effort to make every trip very unique, and I look really after customers. We have also another people on a tour all the time, who is a local guide. And in Ukraine is my dear friend uh, Tanya that we started our theater project with, and. Um, in, in Georgia, it's our other theater director, also friend, um, uh, Otar, uh, that we're doing. So every, every single trip has a very, uh, it's properly thought through and um, we sometimes change in the itineraries to suit. So if there is a, a group of people that have less physical abilities or more physical abilities to do walks or uh, hikes, we could, we could tailor-made. So each trip that you look, you could you could just send a message saying could we possibly see something yeah and uh, it's possible you know so it's very it could be very tailor-made to the because of the size of the group is not huge it's, it's small so we have alternative itineraries as well 
sounds amazing. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, and it's probably the last thing, but because the time is flying when you're having fun <laughs> talking to you, uh, is the beautiful, beautiful things that we can find on your website. So the headscarves, the shirts, they are organic cotton and they are handmade. Tell me more about them because they are absolutely gorgeous. So when I started to do um, trips, I thought I somehow have to promote what I'm doing. And I thought it would be the best thing to do is to start selling some really interesting objects from Ukraine, support local craftsmen and, and uh, sell things that are really practical, but also really beautiful and unique and not mainstream, just made... Um, on the factory stuffs and Ukraine has a very big potential. So there is a beautiful wood and, and textiles. And I was always interested in a costume since I was, um, I don't know, since, since university really in a costume design. And I really loved how different Ukrainian costume is from region to region and the history around it. And also about uh, how much work goes into each um, each object. It's just incredible. And I, I just love the um, hand-spun, hand-woven material. I like linen and hemp and hand embroidery. You just can't find that quality nowadays in, uh, in uh, even hand-embroidered shirts, but on a, fa on a factory-made material. It just doesn't look as nice ever. So I started to sell this home-spun, hand-woven wool rugs first and hand-knitted and hand, um, uh, woolen socks because I just, I, when I discovered them, I just love them. So we even have a trip how you can come and make one yourself and bring to UK. Um, and they're very unique objects to Ukraine because they haven't, they are not done anywhere else, I think, except maybe one little village in Romania. And they're old uh, techniques from 17th centuries that still survived in the village. So I just decided to bring uh, things that bring me joy. And I'm really proud as a Ukrainian that I made in my country. Um, and I'm, when I'm selling, I tell the history of each garment and how it's made and where it's from and why the, um, why the pattern is like it is. And, uh, and people just love it. So the, really my business consists of two, two parts. Mm -hmm. from, from May to October, September, I do trips. And then from September to April or May, I have stall on different craft fairs and uh, vintage fairs, um, handmade events uh, where I sell beautiful vintage uh, homespun handwoven textiles and, uh, and tell people about the trips as well. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I wish you best of luck and I wish that you can retake the tours as quickly as possible and as safely as Thank possible. You. Thank and you. It was really, really lovely to talk to you and well done for uh, promoting all these beautiful things and the things that actually matter. Thank you.